Welcome to the Thrive Women's Podcast. This is episode three for us, and we're so glad that you are listening. We are still sheltering in place and working from home and navigating this new reality as the world around us uh, deals with the coronavirus. But it's been about a month here for us, for Lisa and I in California, and we're just settling in and finding new practices and <laughs> habits in this current state of life. That's right. Lisa, any tips that you've discovered for... The shelter-in-place time. Oh, my goodness, Angie. There's so many good ideas flying around there. But I think my best idea is that, hey, while we can, let's just keep it comfy down below the belt. Like, professional party up top, but anything below. I've been wearing pajamas to work. I've been wearing sweats, my workout pants. It's like anything with elastic right now. We take all our Zoom meeting calls, but, you know, no one can see below. So I'm just keeping it really comfortable. <laughs> and uh, it's been a nice work attire, I should say. How about you, Angie? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the gifts of this time. No one can tell in that little box on Zoom. Right. I think it's kind of similar for me. At first, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be so great. I'm not going to have to wear makeup every day. I don't really need to get ready. I'm going to save all this time. But I don't know. I tell you, there are just some days you need to do your hair right. and put on makeup, even if you just are walking to your desk. <laughs> it just helps a little bit. But definitely keeping those comfies on as you sit in all these meetings, though. That's good. Well, hey, we recorded this episode with Meredith Andrews at our Thrive Women's Conference this past March, right before things got extra crazy in our world. Angie, tell us about our guest. Yeah, so Meredith Andrews, if you have not discovered her yet, you are going to want to follow her after you listen to this. She is a worship leader at her church in Tennessee, and she has traveled the world, really leading people in worship and has added such a depth to just a worship culture in churches and just around the world at conferences. And we got to have Meredith and her husband here in December, and our teams fell in love with them. And we have a lot of guests that come in and out, and you can tell when there's just a depth to someone when they leave and our team is you know, yeah, their music was great, but they were phenomenal to be with. And so, yeah, we're excited to have her back at our conference. And then getting the chance to sit down with her was just really awesome. Yes, yeah, super excited. Today, we get to hear a great conversation with Meredith about how we can focus our lives on worship as a lifestyle. And we just think it's extra important right now as we're learning to keep our eyes kind of eternally focused instead of the stress and chaos that this world is offering us every day. So we are looking forward to this conversation with Meredith today. Enjoy. Hey, we have an amazing guest with us today. Meredith Andrews is sitting with us in the person. So excited to have you here. Thanks, Angie. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Meredith is leading this weekend at our conference, and so we snuck her away from rehearsal for a little conversation, which will be great. Awesome. So tell us a little bit, what does life look like right now for Meredith Andrews? Oh, wow. Well, you know, um, in my life, in this current season of my life, I have a hard time even remembering what happened yesterday, <laughs> you know, but... This has been a very significant week for um, our family and our community and our city. We live in Nashville, and right. I don't know if you guys heard, but we had a massive tornado yeah. just about a mile from our house. And so I've never experienced anything quite like it, and so I feel like my head is still kind of in that mode a little bit. But what has been so beautiful is just seeing people rally around one another and come together and, I mean— 
volunteers are turning out in droves. Like yeah. they don't even have enough spots for them that and they're trying to figure out where everybody can go and be most useful. And it's just really amazing to see a community come together after such a tragedy. And it's going to be a long haul. You know, this is a process. Um, it's going to be a slow rebuild, but just excited even to see what God does through that, because I believe that, you know, I, there, I was thinking about this Callie Heligenthal song, and she says something like, you don't bring the earthquake, but you heal the heartbreak. Mm. It's like, even though God didn't cause it, he's still ready and, and willing to meet us right in the middle of it. So all that to say, that's kind of what our week has been inundated with, because um, it happened early Tuesday morning, and and we've just kind of been trying to figure out, okay, what does life look like? How do we mm-hmm. chip in? How do we help? How do we, you know, just support the city that we love so much? And yeah, and so it's it's been good. It's just been very eye-opening and heavy and right. absolutely. Um, but yeah, life in general right now, I've got three kids. They're nine, seven, and five. And I've actually kind of just been leaning into this season of um, being home a little bit more, mm-hmm. which has been really sweet and really good. And I'm um, just being really intentional with my yes and that's a lesson that I've had to kind of learn the hard way because I'm a yes person I will say yes to anything and everything if I think that it will help somebody somebody or bring purpose or you know vision or whatever it may be I I want to be there but then I feel like the Lord has said to me like you don't have to do it all like Mm -hmm. and there are seasons when I actually am asking you to pull back and to rest and to kind of take stock of what really matters and where you're headed and just kind of refuel and get vision for what's coming next. And that's yeah. kind of the space that I'm living in right now. So that's good. That's yeah. A little bit of a surfacey question. Okay. Like, what's your current guilty pleasure? Current guilty pleasure. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, does watching The Crown count? I don't know. Like, no, I, that does, does not it count? count. <laughs> what What would you consider a current a guilty pleasure? I've I've also veg out on health documentaries, but that's probably not a guilty pleasure either. A healthy pleasure. I know, but I spend way too much time watching health documentaries. Um, <laughs> let's see. Like, my husband is like, "Wow, like, what? Like, what another is, one? What is that? Uh, what is that? Like, what's a health, a health documentary? documentary? Well, it's usually more along the lines of." Um, this is maybe getting too political, but like, uh, just like underneath the pharmaceutical and food industry and you know, the agenda. Oh yeah. Jacob's, my husband is always like, is this life giving for you? I'm like, well, I just, I'm a truth seeker. Okay. I want to know what's at the heart of all this stuff. And what are we eating? What are we really eating? What are we really eating? Yeah, exactly. So anyways, but, um, let's see. Guilty. What's one of your guilty pleasures? Give me an example. That's a good question. Well, we don't have it right now, but I absolutely love bubbly water. Oh, I love and bubbly water too. Probably drink like four of them a day. Oh, so that could be considered a guilty pleasure. How is that a guilty pleasure? Guilty. Okay, it's pretty Super not bad for you. For me, I love Taco Bell. Oh, I don't Taco blame Bell. you. I feel very guilty about that. Mm. One. What's your order? They have a <laughs> so bad. <laughs> A beefy Fritos burrito. It's like the least feminine thing you could. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I digress. No, I love that. Okay, so along the fast food lines, I don't, I don't eat fast food really because of the documentary. Because of the health documentaries. (laughs) I should watch more documentaries. (laughs) But I did grow up in North Carolina, and there's this fast food chain there called Bojangles. It's like fried chicken, and it's kind of like hot chicken, kind of, sort of, not Nashville hot chicken, but it's different. So anytime I'm in the area of a Bojangles, I just have to get 
a supreme dinner with it's like chicken tenders and fries and a sweet tea. So there you go. There's my guilty pleasure. Well, we've covered a lot so far. (laughs) Well, going back to what you earlier said, we're so glad you said yes to come out to a women's conference and and yes to just being here. Absolutely. I mean, I was every time y'all aired the like announcement about it back at Christmas and you're like advertising for it. I'm like, oh man, I would love to come back. I hope they that. asked me back. But yeah, and then Angie at the end, like I guess the last service, she's like, hey, I want to talk to you about a women's conference. I'm like, yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we loved having you at Christmas. Well, so, so you so are family you're family here. So you are a worship artist and yeah. which is one of the things we want to talk to you about. And you know, worship is more than singing worship yeah. songs. Yeah. Um it's really about our posture that we bring before the Lord yeah. in all areas of our life. But what does that look like for you? I mean, you know, you could say, well, of course, worship is easy for you. You're a worship leader. Hmm, but what right. does that look if like I practically? Like that. That's really good. And no. what, and even okay. what are some of the challenges yeah. that you have as a worship leader for you to experience that? Sure. I mean, are you listening to your own song on the radio? Not Maybe. usually, no. <laughs> not, not ever, actually. So what does that look like? Um, it's interesting that you've asked me that because I feel like even in being in the space of resting and peeling back some layers and going deeper with the Lord. And, and kind of, you know, I think we just have these cycles with God where we just, we go, okay, I want something more than what I've experienced because you're always doing something new. Mm. So how do I discover you in a way that I've never seen you before? And I've often struggled and, and still do. And I was actually thinking about it when I was driving from the airport today how do I like allow my worship to be infused in every aspect of my life so it doesn't feel like I put on this hat when I step into a church and I take it off when I leave? Um, and I think that's kind of what you're asking me. Yes. But even just like for me to have that visual picture of going, no, this is actually central to who I am, what I believe, what I know to be true. Because when I understand that worship is the posture of my heart, um, it means that, I'm always lifting up a posture of worship before the Lord where I'm keeping myself in check. I'm taking every thought captive. I'm making sure that the things that I'm dwelling on and entertaining in my mind um, are pleasing to the Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. You know, those kinds of things. And worship doesn't mean standing on a stage and singing a, a new song that I've written or anybody else. That's barely scratching the surface. And I think um, for me as a worship leader, if you will, I have to be a worshiper first, and that means that I have found what it means to worship God behind closed doors when I'm walking through something really hard. But I've found found also that one of the things that fuels my worship the most is when I'm contending for something in my own life, when I need to declare the faithfulness of God, I need to declare the goodness of God and the truth of His Word over my own life, and I get to stand on a stage and declare it, and, and I feel like man, to me, it's like standing on the front lines of this battle and going, I will stand here and draw a line in the sand and declare that God is who he says he is. And I'm singing it with authority and I'm singing it in faith because I haven't yet seen the outcome that I've been praying for. But my hope is not in an outcome. My hope is in the fact that God is faithful, that God is good, that he is trustworthy, you know? Mm -hmm. And worship to me is just going... God, I've seen you at work in my life over and over again. I've seen you come through for me over and over again. Even if it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, I know that you're still good and you're still going to come through. And so I can trust you and I can choose to worship. And um, 
our pastor always says praise precedes the breakthrough. Right. Yeah. Like we've got to learn how to praise, lift up a song of praise before we see the breakthrough come. You know, we've got to learn how to worship before the miracle comes because it's easy to worship on the other side of the miracle. It's easy to yeah. worship on the other side of, you know, the outcome that you've been hoping for. But it's another thing entirely just to go, Lord, you give and you take away, but I would choose to bless your name, you know? And so, yeah, and I've, just practically speaking, like at worship at my house, a lot of times looks like me just saying to Alexa, hey, Alexa, you know, play this song or whatever while I'm doing the dishes. And it's amazing how God just meets me and he'll meet anybody right, right there, wherever you are. It doesn't have to be this, you know, it doesn't have to be within the four walls of a church because any place can be sacred. Your car, you're doing the dishes, changing diapers, whatever it looks like in whatever season of life you're in. You can just invite God into that space. And something happens when we choose to, you know, worship instead of whine or, yeah. you know, uh, or instead of complain or, or we choose to praise instead of pout. And I don't know why I'm having all these alliterative moments right now, but <laughs> they're flowing. No, they're they're yeah. coming out. Yeah. Something shifts and it. It might not be in our circumstance, but it is in our perspective. That's right. Where our eyes are lifted to heaven and go, we go, God, you're bigger than my situation. And I'm going to choose to sing to you because you're worthy of it. That's right. Something you said early on, I think, is just a great reminder to me and our listeners that really worship is calling out who God is. Yeah. It's the attributes of God, the character of God yeah. really has nothing to do with us or our circumstances, but we're strengthened yeah. when we just take scripture and are reminded of his faithfulness. That's right. Provision and his love and mm-hmm. all of those things. So sometimes you fake it till you make it, No, right? that's so we, true. Sometimes we, we come to worship and we begin in that posture, but yep. when we repeat, yep. I mean, that's why I think worship's repetitive yep. sometimes. Yeah. we need to get that ingrained it, exactly. until we start believing. And so, until we start believing it and it, so. something just breaks open and yep. you actually believe what you're singing. I mean, look at David in the Psalms when he's like, why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. I will yet praise you. Like, I'm still going to praise you, even though I feel depressed and down and confused or whatever it may be. I'm still going to choose to praise you because that's when our perspective just shifts. Yeah. That's great. Really good. Yeah. So how do you, like someone listening maybe that's like, okay, yeah, that sounds great when you're a worship leader. Right. But how do you cultivate a mindset of worship practically when you've got three kids at home or a full-time job or you... You know, I think so often we assign worship to those 15 minutes on a Sunday mm-hmm, morning mm-hmm. and like, I hope they sing the song in my key because mm. I can nail that one. But what does that look like practically? I know you dove into that, but just when you're in a tough season, I don't know, any yeah. tips? This is a lot. I mean, a lot of times I'll camp out on one song that I feel like I need to sing over myself in that season. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you were saying, Lisa, like I'm not there yet, but I want to get there. Yeah. So I'm just going to play it over me, let it wash over me repeatedly until I can move down the road and start singing it in faith, authentically from my heart. Here's the thing, though. Like, I believe that when we just make that effort, that God is not, he's not looking for us to, like, get there immediately. He just sees the desire to get to that place of worship, to get to the place of, God, I'm going to praise you regardless of the circumstance or outcome. 
And I think he just takes so much delight in us just being willing to come with our honesty, to come with our brokenness, and to choose a better thought, to choose a better word, you know, like to have a, a song that's higher and above what we're experiencing in the natural. And and what's really awesome too, because I think in my mind, what I've been wrestling with lately is sometimes feeling like there's this divide between what I'm singing and this language. It's like this heavenly spiritual language, if you will. How does that translate into my everyday and into my circumstance? But I think that um, when we have eyes to see, we ask God, Lord, Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Help me to see the way that this actually does apply to my life right now. Even if I'm, you know, home with young kids or walking through something really hard in my marriage or, you know, my job, whatever it may look like, there's always a spiritual application to just this natural circumstance, if you will. You know, there's always an eternal perspective to be had for the temporary casing I guess that we're in or that we're experiencing and so I think it's just going all right Lord I want to have your perspective and I want to get to this place where my heart aligns with heaven and I understand that even if I don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it you are still worthy of my worship you know and like, that's why we worship God, mm-hmm. not because he's going to do something for us if we do. We worship God because he's already done so much. And that's when we right. get a glimpse of who he is and all that he's already done, it's our only right response. That's right. And it, it doesn't have to be pretty. God said, make a joyful noise. <laughs> it get, In the times in my life when I was walking through really hard things, anytime I would play worship or put those songs on repeat like I couldn't even sing them because I was crying and nobody can sing on key when they're crying (laughs) I mean maybe Celine Dion but not me so So it's just you just I don't know those are the times when I kind of hash it all out and I cry out to the Lord and I go I want to believe this I want to believe this I will sing it until I believe it and then it happens yeah you're like I'm not going back so I love that idea of just bringing worship wherever we are. Mm -hmm. So you can, if you're a young mom listening, you're folding laundry, make that a worship experience. You're thanking God for the clothes you get to fold. Right. I think it's really that kind of that posture that we have, that it's not just in church. Yeah. And uh, reserved for people who can sing, because I'm not one of those, but it's what we bring, that gratitude that we bring to God. That's right. It's not to be contained in the church. Yeah. It's a a lifestyle. It's what we've been called to. Exactly. I need to work on worshiping when I'm folding laundry. I don't think my posture has been worship. (laughs) I know. Man, I'm just convicted by that, Lisa. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm good. And I I would imagine, so as a worship pastor at your church, I mean, part of your gifting is to broaden people's idea that worship is not just receiving from you as an artist, but you're trying to create worshipers. Oh, yeah. And so you're leading people to become worshipers. And and just what are some ways that God has uniquely equipped you to do that? Well, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I am. <laughs> when I think about just standing on that platform with the people that I'm in community with, 
or anywhere really and having the opportunity to call people into worship what happens is when the body of Christ engages, when they go in, when they're willing to make a sacrifice of praise, because mm. sacrifice of praise, it means it's costly. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us our time, our energy, our effort, our reputation, whatever it may be. Um, but what happens is people begin to encounter God, and that is the end goal. And I tell people whenever I teach on this you know, on worship and stuff, that heaven is like this destination where we're we're headed. So what we're doing on earth is just rehearsal for that because we're going to be worshiping forever, right. you know? And to some people that might sound like really boring, but it's actually not going to be. Like you're not going to want to stop. Like you, when you see Jesus, you will not be able to help yourself. And I think we can actually get a glimpse of that here on earth. Like how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we press into this place where it's, it goes beyond I'm singing these songs to, you know, pass the time or get to the message. It's actually, this is what we're going to be doing for all eternity. That's right. And so we get to step into that right now. We get to join with heaven right now and lift up our worship. And for me, I just love maybe even just kind of in a moment and just like a couple seconds, just making people aware of that and going, mm. God hears you when you sing. He loves it when you sing to him. Um, you can leave all your distractions and your burdens at the door and just come with your brokenness, come with your surrender, come with your worship. And it's so beautiful to him because when you offer that up, there's this exchange that happens and he just begins to pour himself out and he just begins to meet you right where you are in the middle of your pain, in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing. And that's the beauty of worship, that we go in and we say, God, here's my life and here's my worship and here's my offering to you. But God can't help himself and that he wants to bless us and he wants to meet us in that place right at where, where we are, meet us in our point of need and reveal more of himself to us. And that's exactly what happens when we learn how to step into that spirit and truth worship. I'm engaging with the spirit of God in my own spirit and I'm singing what is true over myself and back to God. I love that. It's not just singing a bunch of words on a Sunday morning, but mm -hmm. it's actually bringing heaven down to earth. Yes. I mean, that'll change Sunday morning. Yeah, listeners. come on. That's right. Heaven on earth in the pews or the seats that you sit in. Yeah. yeah. And that is reality. The image too, when you just said, when you're leading people you're in community with, because mm -hmm. I think that there's a sweetness to that weekly rhythm of showing up. And, yeah. you know, I think... People have different views of it, and that's great, but there is something really powerful of standing with the community you're walking through life with or yep. you know, thinking of your community right now. Like you've all lived this week together, and then yeah. you show up and— Just speak to that community aspect for a minute. Like just for instance, the, what we're walking through right now in Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get to go to church the night after the hurricane had happened. And I just heard that like the roof almost came off, oh, not from sure. a tornado, but just from the people, That's just great. like the yeah. way that they worshiped and the way that they cried out to God for our city and the way that they just said, Lord, you are in our midst, even in all this tragedy, you know? Yeah. So when you see people who are just going through it, choose to sing 
what's true regardless. It's just, no, man, there's Blessed nothing else your like name. it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Well, thank you for the ways you're doing that for us, whether yeah. it's on the radio or while we're folding laundry <laughs> in person. Yeah, we're just thankful for your ministry in life. And Thanks, Angie. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You thank you, guys. All right. Well, thanks for being with us. For sure. guys. Yeah, and if anyone wants to connect with you, Meredith, where can they find you? Um, Instagram, it's just at Mare Music, M-E-R-E Music. Same on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook. I don't know. It's like maybe Facebook slash Meredith Andrews and MeredithAndrews.com. But yeah, YouTube and all the things. You can just all the type channels. in my name. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, guys. Well, we hope you found some real practical ways that you can learn to turn your focus to worship instead of worry, and that you found this to be an encouragement for you in this season. It's really, we're all learning, what does it look like to be well in the middle of, well, any crisis, Corona being one of them. And as Meredith mentioned, you can connect with her online and find all those links in the show notes. Well, wherever you are today, as you listen to this conversation, maybe you're out on your 10th walk of the day or... (laughs) taking a little break in the backyard from the crazy of your house. We just are glad that you were listening in. And if you enjoyed this conversation and episode, make sure that you like it, share it with a friend, and be sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode from us. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.